We are so glad you joined us today on our podcast. We would love to continue to connect with you throughout the week. And to do that, you can check us out at substancechurch.com or on social media by searching at SubstanceMN or Substance Church. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the message. Make some noise wherever you are at. You made it to church. And if we haven't met yet, I'm Pastor Peter Haas and my wife and I started Substance a little over 17 and a half years ago, and man, I, I just, I love, I love seeing how God is growing our church, I love seeing how God is just expanding us, and I, I just, I, I just, on a, a quick side note, I, I, I feel so much vision right now, I feel so much, I feel like God keeps giving me clarity about the future and about, you know, really, I, I, I honestly have noticed even in our church the last couple of weeks, there's like a, you know, that the, we, we've got the wind behind us to, you know, recently, and I, I, I'm just excited for what the Lord is going to be doing this summer and this fall, and I, I just, hey, if you're out there and you're looking for a church family, we'd love to adopt you into ours. Now is the time to, to really press into our small groups, our ministry teams more than ever, and I, I just... I just have this sense that God is gonna be using our church in some pretty crazy fun ways over the next year, and I just want you to be a part of it. And so, uh, with all that said though, as for our topic today, I I think it suffices to say over the last couple years, we've witnessed a lot of change in the world, politically, socially, I would even say more things have shifted in the last two years than maybe even the previous 20. And maybe that's just my opinion, maybe that's just me, but. I actually think there's a lot of change happening in the world, and and so uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, particularly in light of everything happening in Europe, I've been trying to do messages that will give all of you a bigger picture, that will give all of you a bigger perspective, and specifically give you all a God perspective about the times in which you live. You know, Acts 17, 26 says that God has determined the time set for us in the exact places where we would live, okay? So it's not a mistake that you and I are alive on planet Earth during this moment, okay? God has a plan for you that he actually, good works prepared in advance for you to do, Ephesians 2.10 says. And so I, I just, you know, I, I wanna give you God's perspective. As some of you know, two weeks ago, I gave a message called You Will Hear of Wars, and I gave a, a quick history lesson on, on war cycles. And I, I wanna just to quickly recap it because it's really gonna set up where we're gonna go today. Uh, you know, I, I, historians have argued for, for a long time, this isn't just like one book or one historian, this is, I, I've been reading, there's literally dozens, hundreds of books even on war cycles, but historians have argued that almost every 95 years or so, there's been a predictable major world war that shifts everything, that changes government, that changes uh, like everything, that changes the global economy every 95 years or so, and that, that war cycle has been dead on for at least the last 600 years, and before that, you can actually trace it back another 1,000 years, it just wasn't quite a 95-year war cycle, it, was, it changes a little bit, so there's, there's a little flexibility in all of this, but and historians will, of course, they'll debate endlessly as to why that is. Some say it's because after about four generations, people kind of forget the atrocity of war, and so... They, they get a little high strung and you know, other people say, well, no, there's, there's literally generational personality types that you can actually trace throughout the centuries. And of course, you know, there's always that last one where they're anti-institutional right before the war cycle. And, and this has been kind of predictable. And whatever the cause is, there's a lot of predictable behavior that goes in cycles. 
in culture and politics. And my goal in even sharing all of this is not to actually freak you out. It's not to alarm you. It's not to kind of get you all scared or whatever. Actually, my goal is the exact opposite, okay? Because I wanted you to see what God is doing because along with the war cycles, guess what? There's another cycle that also tends to happen every 95 years or so, and it's called an awakening cycle, a revival cycle. Almost every major revival in church history has also taken place at a particular time in that cycle, at very particular times. And in some ways, these cycles shouldn't surprise us because this is what the Bible has been saying all along. 2,900 years ago, King Solomon wrote, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun, okay? It's kind of like we, we say about history. Those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. Well, King Solomon was saying the same thing. Hey, they're cycles. And if we know them, we can actually take advantage of them. We can actually spin them to our advantage. We can get into better alignment with, with heaven, with what God is doing. Does that make sense, everybody? And so as one last little bit of recap, that's why Jesus said, kind of in light of all these things, as he was teaching his, his disciples on how to live in the last days, he said, you're gonna hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it what? You are not alarmed Okay, see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. And, and here, and some of you are like, well, well, wait, where's the good news in all of this? Well, keep in mind, Psalm 112, verse four says, even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. Okay, so get this. I want you to internalize it. This is one of the verses that I want you to internalize this week, okay? Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. So, so even in the midst of the chaos, God has a plan for you. God has an advantage for you. No matter what country you live in, be it even Ukraine, God can save and even promote you. All you gotta do is just stay gracious, compassionate, and righteous. Just stay in alignment with God. That's really the, the idea, and God is gonna work all things together for the good of those that love him, Romans 8, 28. Are you, are you hearing this? That's why the Bible even teaches where, where sin and darkness increases. Guess what? Grace increases too, Romans 5, 20. And in fact, just to give you a couple little testimonies, uh, many of you guys know that we have a lot of, like, uh, we have a lot of pastor friends all over the world, and, and we've got pastor friends um, in, in partners in Ukraine, actually, and it's been interesting to hear uh, some of the things that they're saying, because again, they've, they've stayed back just to, you know, boots on the ground, so to speak, and, and you guys, there are so many people being led to Christ right now in Eastern Europe. It's really crazy. Churches in Poland, uh, Moldova, Romania have been taking shuttle buses and taking their church vans. Everyone, you know, every church has got a church van, right? Every church has got a shuttle bus or something like that. And they've been making trips into Ukraine, just picking up uh, refugees on the road and, and then bringing them out, okay? So in fact, actually there was another 300 YWAM missionaries that committed to, to renting vans and just driving them in to, into Ukraine to ferry people out, and then they'll just share Christ in the van as they're driving. They'll just hear the stories 
Um, tell them about the, the, the opportunities for them, where they're taking them, and then they'll lead them to Christ. I mean, thousands are being led to Christ on a lot of these trips that are happening. In fact, they're even picking up um, Russian military deserters. I've heard a lot of stories of that. Uh, you, don't, you won't hear a whole lot about that in the news, but all over the country, uh, Christians have actually been kneeling down to pray in front of tanks as acts of moral protest. There's literally, all over the country this is happening. And you gotta understand, when unarmed citizens uh, do things like that, a lot of the Russian troops, they, it's quite obvious that what they're doing is immoral and they can't respond with violence because you know, even a lot of these troops know what war crimes are and not surprisingly, uh, massive Russian desertion. Most people won't hear this, but there were just on Thursday alone, last Thursday, over 500 Russian troops um, ended up surrendering and deserting because they don't want to fight that kind of war. And not to say that all of, of the, the people on both sides are, are not wanting this, but, but get this, okay? Our, our partners over there have not only provided food and shelter for the refugees, but they've been giving away uh, books of hope. Some of, uh, a portion of every dollar you've been giving at Substance recently has been going just to help fund these ministries. And, and, and so these books of hope, they're, they're scripture resources that are designed for these exact situations in a lot of the different Eastern European languages. In fact, get this, in the first 10 days of the war, um, the Bible app for kids was installed on over 35,000 new, uh, uh, new phones in the Ukrainian language, okay? So I, I'm, I'm telling you this because the data is backing up what I really believe is happening is God is using this to stimulate a heart for the Lord. He's using this to draw people closer to you. And I, I wanted to tell you this because, uh, first off, this is actually your money. I, I know that we don't really, a, a lot of the places where we're investing your money, a lot of times we don't get to talk about it uh, very often. I just wanna be a little extra vocal about it during this season that a portion of every dollar that you guys have been giving is going to this kind of stuff. And I, I'm also telling you the greater theme here is also this, is that light shines brightest in the darkness, John 1, 5. It shines brightest in the darkness, and I know that we don't like darkness, and I don't think that God wants darkness. He wants all men to be saved. God doesn't want anyone to suffer wrath, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, but to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. But I, I am telling you this also because I do believe your prayers are making a difference. God can sovereignly thwart wickedness. In fact, even just our, one of our One Hope co uh, ministry coordinators over there that's distributing this book of hope, this is what he wrote uh, and I, I just wanna read it directly. He, he said, Belarusian landing troops could not land because the strong wind carried them all the way back to Belarusian territory. Russian ships could not come closer to Odessa because the sea was too stormy. <laughs> Cold weather is constantly disabling tanks in northeast Ukraine. And, and why does all that matter, you know? Well, frankly, I, I think all of these things are saving the lives of refugee, I, refugees. I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying what this God's intent is with the, the long-term plans for that area, but I, I am saying that these things are saving lives, and I do believe that when we pray, God does, his will is done on earth as it is done in heaven. That's why he called us to pray it, okay? So, uh, but, okay, so I, I wanted to kind of give you some of that uh, God filter, a, a few other reports, so that way you can kind of process things a little differently, but you know, one of the things that I've been asked a lot over the last couple of weeks has been this connection. Um, does this war have any connection to specific end times 
prophecies, okay? Does this war have any connection to any end times prophecies? I, I think a lot of you know that I've been a little obsessed with uh, end times books over the last couple of years. We, we, this last year, we did a, a five-part series called Be Right Back, uh, literally a year ago uh, today, and of course, uh, many of you guys know I intended to take the series on a lot longer, another four weeks, but I, just personally, between the election and COVID, I think we all needed a break from apocalyptic thinking, you know what I'm saying? So I was just like, you know, why don't we all just kind of, you know, cap it off at five weeks, and maybe we'll resume it a little time later, and, and uh, God willing, in the coming year, we'll actually, I'll finish taking you guys through uh, the book of Revelation uh, but I, I did want to quickly just bring this up because in light of current events, I, I've noticed a lot of really interesting articles written online uh, from different Christian groups, and it's this. Are there any prophecies being fulfilled by these changes? Perhaps I've noticed a lot of Christians asking or even saying they believe that this war is the war that leads to Armageddon. And if you don't know what Armageddon is, it's kind of the final battle uh, before the end of the world. And I, I know that there's probably a lot of you here today who are like, I don't know what I think about that kind of stuff. That's a little crazy. And, and, and part of it is I think we all met, we've all met spooky Christians who take every world event and turn it into an apocalyptic conspiracy. You know what I'm saying? Some of you, you're, you're related to that person. Some of you, you are that person. You know what I mean? And we love you. Uh, but uh, I, I just, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I do think it is worth interesting, uh, worth addressing today, because you know what's kind of interesting about these types of topics is, is it's amazing how many nominal Christians are out there that uh, don't go to church, who who are who are mesmerized by these types of things. It's kind of funny how people get all worried about these types of things, and yet they don't go to church at the same time. And uh, there's, there's so many nominal Christians and non-Christians that do believe that we are probably living in the last days even though they don't know a single scripture and they don't go to church. In fact, get this, one out of five Americans currently believe that Earth's life expectancy is only a couple more decades. Okay, so everybody has this sense of we could be near the end and I, I, I think, so I, that's all the more reason why church, I think we all need to know what the Bible teaches about the last days, about what the second coming of Christ is gonna look like. I, I, a while ago, I read a, a US News and World Report that revealed 60% of all Americans from all faith backgrounds believe the world will eventually end, and so everybody believes there is some sort of end, and, and I, you know, here, here's, my, here's my take on all this, okay? In light of all this, if you remember back in week three of our End Times teaching series, I, I mentioned this famous war called Ezekiel's War, okay? So I, I, I brought it up at the, at, towards the tail end of week three in our End Times series, Be Right Back. And, and Ezekiel's War, if you don't know what Ezekiel's War is, Ezekiel's War is a, is a Bible-prophesied world war that sets into motion this final battle called Armageddon, okay? So technically, Armageddon is like the, is like the tail end of like a seven-year war, um, but some people, you know, there's different opinions about Ezekiel's war, and the reason why it's called Ezekiel's war is because it was prophesied in Ezekiel uh, 38, okay? And so in the context of Ezekiel's war, there's this, there, there's this expression called Gog and Magog, okay? So it's one of those apocalyptic terms you'll hear every now now and again, uh, it's kind of a really weird term. There's probably a, a grunge band named that somewhere, but I, I just, you know, Gog and Magog. And, and uh, I, I just, 
Uh, you know, technically, just to kind of give you what Gog and Magog is, uh, according to the Bible, Gog is actually a prince, okay? That's actually what the word means, a prince. And so Gog is, is the prince of this end times army, and Magog and, and Rosh are the countries where Gog comes from in these prophecies, okay? So really, we should, instead of saying Gog and Magog, we should say Gog from Magog. Um, but but uh, what, the reason why it's interesting is because um, the modern day locations of Magog and Rosh are Russia, Ukraine, and Iran down to Turkey, okay? So now, uh, so just let me show you this on a map so that you can kind of get a sense of, of kind of, Magog is the ancient term for it, but Magog uh, essentially refers to, some people say, maybe southern Ukraine all the way down through Iran, the northern portions of Iraq and Syria and Turkey, okay? So that Magog is this region generally. Of course, there's a lot of you know, people that might debate exactly where it is, but Rosh is the ancient term of Russia. Actually, it's where Russia comes from, Rosh. And of course, Gog is supposedly from Rosh, this prince is from Rosh, and so, you know, really, the, the reason why I bring that up is because ever since Russia invaded Ukraine, there's been a lot of Christians saying, oh my gosh, could this be the beginning of Ezekiel's war? And uh, personally, just, just so you guys know, I, I'm not really sure what I think about it. I don't wanna get into the too many weeds here. I, I'm not sure that it is, in fact, Ezekiel's war. In, in a second, I'm gonna take this sermon in a different direction, so don't worry, it's not gonna get spooky for too long, but I, I just, the, the short explanation is this. Um, first off, I don't believe this is Ezekiel's war because remember in Ezekiel's war, the, the prophecy, they're not invading Ukraine, they're invading Israel, okay? So just, so, so the short answer is no, this is not Ezekiel's war because then, because that's an invasion of Israel and I do believe China has to be involved in it for it to be happening. But uh, again, Ezekiel's war is an invasion of Israel in Ezekiel 38, not an invasion of Ukraine, okay? And it's very specific, Ezekiel's war is very specific because it lists in that prophecy, nine specific nations that are a part of that army that is invading Israel in Ezekiel's war, okay? So yeah, Gog may come from this region, Russia, Georgia, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Turkey, Iran, okay? So, it can, so the leader is gonna come from that angle, but it's gonna be nine very specific countries that are gonna be in alignment against Israel and Gog is the leader of that army, okay? So for the sake of time, I'm not, gonna, I'm not actually gonna read through Ezekiel 38, but if you look at all these ancient countries as they were in Ezekiel's day, okay? And if you were to find the, mod so these are the, the nations listed in that prophecy, and if you were to kind of find where is the, what is the modern day country that overlays on top of these, um, this is what it would look like. So Rosh would be Russia, Magog would be like Central Asia, maybe South, Southern Russia, Southern Ukraine, Georgia, Armenia, Turkey. Uh, Meshek would be Turkey slash Iran, Tubal, Turkey, Persia, Iran, et cetera, okay? So you can kind of go down the list here and see where the modern overlay. Now the reason why this is significant is because from a prophetic standpoint is historians cannot find a single moment in history where this particular this particular configuration of, of nations has ever attacked Israel. They can't, there's, there's no real time in, in recorded history that we know of where this configuration has attacked Israel. And so the presumption is that it will take place in the future, okay? And that's an important, because, uh, you know, again, that's an assumption. Historians also cannot find a single 
um, time in history where these particular nations have ever even been in alignment with one another until the last 100 years. The last 100 years has been maybe the first time in history where a lot of these countries have been in alignment um, because most of them are Islamic now, and uh, a lot of them now currently have friendly relations with Russia. And, and here's the deal, okay? In, in my opinion, I'm not even convinced that the biblical figure of Gog is even Russian, just in my personal opinion, and I'm extremely doubtful that it is Vladimir Putin. I'm just gonna be honest with you, okay? Now, I personally do not believe that the invasion of Ukraine is the start of Ezekiel's war, and part of it is because the, the geopolitical alliances would have to shift a little bit. Uh, just even coming back to the TV, I mean, obviously, you know, you just even go down the list, okay? Uh, Ukraine, uh, Georgia is actually trying to apply for the EU. Armenia is more on the Russian side. Turkey is a NATO state, so I mean, they're on the opposite side of this. Iran hates us and that's why they you know just bombed us last night um, Libya has been a mess okay so you can kind of go down the list and say okay these these this alignment is not really configured for what the Bible prophesies is about to happen and, and don't get me wrong um, you know could that alignment change fast sure okay so the world is changing pretty stinking fast and none of us would have imagined how fast the world got crazy with 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 COVID politics and then how quickly the COVID politics suddenly stopped you know what I'm saying like it's, it's fascinating, um, you know, when you, none of us would have anticipated the scale of, of how fast things changed, but as your pastor, let me just say this, okay, as your pastor, I, I would probably not be listening to anyone who talks about this kind of stuff with certainty, and so I, I just think it's really important that people have humility when they study Bible prophecy, and there's a lot of people out there with none of it, and, you know, and to a certain degree, we all gravitate towards really confident people. And so I just, I, I just want to just put that in your heart because anybody that gets overly confident about these types of things, they are walking on a lot of thin ice with a lot of assumptions. And the only reason why I'm talking about it today is because I think it's actually kind of good for some of you to get a little curious about this kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? I think, it's, I think it's good for us to take modern day tension and let it drive us deeper into scriptures because here's the reality. God wants you to know his will. God does want you to understand his plan. God does want you to be able to hear his voice and I think it's really good for us, like the way I see it is, is I wanna, be, I wanna be studied up for all options so that when whatever happens, I can be like, yep, this is that. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but let me back up and just give you what we know for sure, okay? Anyone who lives on planet Earth and lives a long life is gonna experience some sort of giant event that will test your resolve. That's the whole point of what I was trying to say two weeks ago, is that if you just, I mean, if the war cycle is 95 years and if life expectancy is somewhere around the same time, then, then hey, guess what? Most of us are gonna see significant events at some point in our life, and you and I, who are believers, wanna be able to manifest Christ in that situation. Are we in agreement? Okay, so regardless of whether or not Christ's return is 10 years from now or 100 years from now, the main reason why we actually study end times books or end times prophecies is not so that we can understand the sequence of events, but so that we can live like Christ in the midst of those events and have peace like Christ in the midst of those events. Okay, so, so once again, that's why Jesus said, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must 
happen. And once again, Psalm 112, verse four, even in darkness, light dawns. And this isn't true just for the upright, for the gracious, for the compassionate and the righteous man. This is not just true in light of geopolitical politics. This is, this is true in light of your current bad diagnosis, your current family situation not being what you want, your current financial situation not being what you want. Even in that kind of darkness, guess what? God's got a light for you. Are you hearing? This is his plan. He came that you might have life to the fullest. And my, my, my belief is that God even brought you to church today because he wants you just to open up your eyes to see the light that is dawning in your life. God has a plan that he wants to birth in you and through you that, that only you can accomplish on planet Earth. And it's a plan to give you a hope and a future and fill your life with joy. And I want you to experience that. God is always working on behalf of his faithful. And, and I'm not saying it's gonna always be easy. Sometimes it does involve suffering, but come on. Even the suffering can be fulfilling for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. We all have a cross with our name on it, and, I, and trust me, you don't wanna pass it by. You wanna carry that for, for Christ's sake because of what it will achieve for us in eternity, and so with all of that said, okay, so let me, let me all of that was really just the setup for the, the best scripture passage that I really wanted to preach on today, and this is, I think, what summarizes what I think the coming years is gonna look like and how we can kind of gird ourselves up, and it's the story out of Matthew chapter eight, starting in verse 23, and, and in case you don't know a whole lot about Matthew eight, if you remember, it's the story of Jesus rebuking the storm and it's kind of a classic story, but I want to read it to you with fresh eyes, with kind of almost a, a prophetic bend on what I believe God is doing on planet Earth. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 8, 23, otherwise I'll have it right up here. And it says this, okay? Then Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Okay, so this, they're, they're going somewhere. They're on a mission. They are headed towards the will of God. Okay, they're in the boat, his disciples followed him without warning, okay, right there. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Okay, that's a miracle all by itself that anybody could be sleeping as the storm was whipping up. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we are going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, how many of you know when a fisherman gets scared, that's a serious storm, okay? This isn't some wuss that wasn't used to the water. This wasn't some person who wasn't used to being on a boat. This was, these were fishermen. They had, they had logged thousands of hours on that, on that lake, and they had been through all sorts of storms. And when fishermen get stare, uh, scared, that is a serious storm. And notice, Jesus rebuked them, implying that they too had the ability to do what he did. He didn't do it because he was the son of God. He did it because he's, again, this is the authority that God wants all of us to walk in, okay? So this wasn't him just flexing, look at me, I'm the son of God, okay? He was saying, come on, disciples, don't you understand your authority yet? Don't you understand the power of God for those of us who believe? And in Mark's account of that same story, Mark 4:41, the disciples were absolutely terrified. 
who is this man, they asked each other. Like, I mean, they're just like, what in the world, okay? So they're, they're just awaking up to the calling on their lives. Because remember, Jesus said after this, a little later on, he's like, come on, you guys, you're gonna do greater miracles than me. Anybody who comes after me will do greater miracles than me. Why? Because I'm gonna be sending my Holy Spirit. Anybody with this Holy Spirit can do greater things. And the story gets even crazier because, get this, so they, they survive the storm, they get to the other side of the sea. None of them have probably slept all night. They're just kind of freaked out. And what's the first thing that happens? Check this out. In Mark's Gospel uh, 5, verse 2, Mark 5, 2, we pick up the story from Mark's vantage point. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Okay, so this is kind of a scary dude. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, which is not a good sign, um, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Also not a good thing, okay? Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Can you imagine this? Okay, so you just, here you are, you're a disciple. You almost died the night before. You haven't slept all night. Then a crazy naked man that no one can subdue, even with chains, comes running at you out of a cemetery. Okay, can you get any scarier than that? I'm just saying, that's like a movie plot line, okay? In fact, Matthew 8 reports that this guy was so violent that people would not even venture into that region. And yet, that guy, the one that you've heard ghost stories about, is running at you out of a cemetery after the longest night of your life. Okay, so now watch what happens in Mark chapter 5, verse 6. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. So, okay, pretty intense stuff right here, okay? To summarize, just for the, sake of t uh, for the sake of time, Jesus casts out the demons. It was actually a legion of demons. And the man immediately comes to his sen senses and the people in the whole region are completely spooked. And so then watch how they respond. You'd think that they would respond by saying, oh, Messiah, welcome, please join us. And skip down to verse 15. Look what they said in instead. Mark 5, 15. When the townspeople came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They actually asked Jesus to leave, they were so afraid, okay? I mean, seriously, I mean, look at this story. I, I love this because it says a whole bunch of things about God. First off, it, it says that God loves to wrap our big giant problems up in a bow. He's dramatic, isn't he? I think God is dramatic. He takes our big, naked, unchainable problems and says, sit down and put a tie on. <laughs> okay? And then, uh, I just, I love that. And then what does Jesus do next? He immediately gets right back in the boat and crosses all the way back over. Okay? So think about this. He went all of that way just to minister to an outcast. 
He fought through a storm just to minister to an outcast, get back on the boat, and leave. And I, I just, you see, now when I think about the bigger mission of Christ here, I think, I think he really just wanted to teach. It was, it was more than just ministering to the outcast. I believe that he wanted to teach his disciples a lesson about his nature. First off, here's God's nature. God would cross a sea just to minister to one person. That's his nature. Number one, you wanna know what his nature is? God has the ability to rebuke a storm and cast out, take authority over any demonic principality on earth. That's his nature. And he wants them to do the same. And then, I think it also, he wanted to teach them, hey, I wanna show you guys, we are called to cross a sea and we will go through a storm. We're gonna, we're gonna do battle at some point in our lives in order to fulfill the, go, the call of God. And, and, and why can we do this? Why don't we not need to fear the storm? Why can we, why, we don't have to run from the call. Why? Because God has given us authority in the name of Jesus Christ to speak to the storms and speak to the principalities and powers. Why? We are God's children. We are the church. And one last scripture here that I want you guys to understand. This is really God's intent. If you wanna know how to get in sync with God's will, what, what God's church really is, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to whom? The rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. There is an invasion taking force. There's an invasion on planet Earth where God is reclaiming his territory and when his church rises up and fulfills its purpose in fullness, when we start taking authority over the wind and the waves, when we start taking authority over the principalities and powers, speaking to them, then, then hey, we're, we're setting up the, the, the return of Christ, which is perfection. And I, I'm saying this because right now, I believe God's call for us is to proclaim that the days of the devil are numbered. The days of war, of sickness, disease, they're numbered, that you and I are called as God's people to stand in the middle of the storm and shout at it. We're the ones casting out legions. And, and, and if you remember way at the beginning of the pandemic, I shared a lesson on how God always tends to show up after pandemics, how, how it's, it's Christians that aren't afraid. Why? Because we serve a God who's given us power over death. It doesn't mean that we should be foolish, that it means we should still be wise, but that we don't have to fear the storm, we don't have to fear the chaos, we don't have to live like the masses out there that will do anything to do self-preservation at the cost of somebody else. You see, we're the ones that rise to the occasion, we're the ones that run into the storm, why? Because we've got the power over it. You see, it testifies not only to the power of God, but to his unstoppable kingdom. And so I, I just want this to be so deep in your heart that when you come upon the conversations this week, and let me tell you, I really do believe that there's gonna be a massive amount of, of, of conversations. As we ramp up towards Easter, I believe that every last one of you is gonna have evangelistic opportunities to share your faith, to share your peace with people that do not have peace. You're gonna have the ability to rebuke the storms in your coworkers' lives, in your family members' lives who do not have peace, and I believe in that moment, it's just you having that composure could be the very catalyst that causes them to understand God's will for their lives, and that's what I want for all of us in our church. And so, would you just right now, just I, I think one of the best ways that we could even respond to this is just surrender and, and start, and if you do have a storm in your life that is kind of throwing you off your game, to just kind of rise up in that authority that Christ has given you right here and right now, and I want you to rebuke that off your life. 
Okay, and maybe you're here and this whole thing is new. You're, this whole God thing is new and you're, you're here today and you'd say, gosh, I don't have peace. I don't really understand Christianity quite like that. But hey, listen, if you're willing to even just take one tiny little step closer to God, I believe God is gonna step closer to you and you're gonna start walking in that divine confidence that he has for you. Would you want that today? If so, just close your eyes right now and I want you to think about the storms in your life that God wants you to rebuke right here. God called you to church today in this moment to proclaim to principalities and powers the, the manifold intention of God, that, that he's called that you would live a full life, called you to live a life that is a life of abundance. And so Heavenly Father, we surrender to you right here in the midst of this global storm, in the midst of this global chaos, and we stand up in the midst of the storm and we speak to it, peace, peace, be still. And Father, where our faith is weak, I pray that you would gird it up. I pray that you would give us scriptures that would gird up our souls to do battle. I pray that we would not be the faithless who run to political solutions, who run to anxiety, self-medicating solutions, Lord, instead of your word and, and, and your proclamation of life. And so right now, I speak that over every single person listening to this message in church, if this is your prayer, then just receive this by praying after me. Say this, say, dear Jesus, forgive me, renew me, and lead me in your peace, starting today and for the rest of my life. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. I love you guys, and with all that said, we're gonna have our campus pastors come on up and tell us where we're gonna go next. We'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you would like to contribute to Substance financially, you can do so by visiting substancechurch.com giving, and then select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to check in next week for a new message.